So we've been in this series called Remarkable, right? Anybody like love this series? Because I have really enjoyed this series, and I think it's one of those series that will shape the rest of this church, like forever. Like we will look back at this series and see how God has used this series to tra- transform us and make us a remarkable people, make us a remarkable church. We started off just a reflection of, of where we've been. Started off, we hit the, the series running with um, a remarkable name. You know, we, we have a, uh, a remarkable God, amen? amen? And so we are called by His name. We reflect His name. So we are called and to become children of God. We leave slavery and slave to sin, and now we are one in God. We can call Him Father. And so we now bear that remarkable name. And then the next time we talked about community and how we are called to be a remarkable community, set apart by the world. And then we talked about this remarkable love that, that shapes us. And how we're supposed to um, have a remarkable love for one another. And we can't truly have a remarkable love unless we're connected to that remarkable love. Because it's nothing that we, we conjure up. Like love just doesn't come from us. Love is given to us from God. And we are a vessel of His love. And then last week we talked about how we are called to remarkable prayer. And we talked about that there are strongholds. There is things that God has holding, uh, that, that uh, Satan, sorry, is holding us back from. And that we, we can't battle between flesh and blood. And for so long, we probably have been trying to, maybe as individuals and maybe by this church, we've been dealing with things with flesh and blood. But we don't fight between flesh and blood, we fight. In the spiritual realm, with powers, with authorities, with rulers of this dark world. But we go to Him in prayer because God is there working through us. And it's only by His power that we can overcome strongholds. It's only by His power that we can overthrow Satan. And so today, we're going to talk about... We're going to end this series by talking about remarkable results. Remarkable results. How many of you love eating apples? I like apples. Um, anybody like uh, you know, eating other, other type fruits? I, I love fruits. Maybe you have vegetables that you just love and you, you can just devour. You know, we all have different things that we really love, but thinking about the apple... You know, I, I like to eat apples. I used to not. Actually, apples used to make my, my tongue itch, you know, a little small allergy to it. But I've overcome that as I got older. And so um, I, I eat apples quite a lot. But the reality is, is that we, whatever you eat, you know, we go to a store, we grab it off the shelf, we, we put it in our, our uh, buggy or shopping cart, whatever you want to call it. You know, and we go and we check out, we get home, and then we eat whatever it is. You know, say it's that apple. But the reality is, is that we didn't have to go through the process of it. We didn't have to go and cultivate the soul and, and make sure the, the uh, tree is, is 
properly cared for and that it withstands the storm and, and makes sure that it's pruned back and uh, you know, all those, you know, the plants and the uh, things are looked after. But we enjoy the results. But the reality is, is that somebody had to care for the soul. Somebody had to look after that plant. We love the results. We love to eat of the fruit. But a lot of times we don't like to go through the mess. We don't like to get dirty. And so for us to, to truly have results, we have to be willing to get a little dirty, get our hands dirty, cultivate the soil a little bit. You know, many of you, you're thinking, well, you know, the result of an apple tree is, is that apple that you eat. The reality is, is it's not. The fruit of an apple tree is not an apple. It's a whole orchard. Orchard, uh, orchard sorry. Orchard. <laughs> um, it's a whole orchard. It is that growing, you know, that, that the... Uh, you know, it produces that fruit, but it falls to the ground, and it actually dies. The apple dies, and it goes into the soil, and then it sprouts up a new tree. And before long, there's a whole forest. That's what God intends for us as well. Not just small fruit. Not just low-hanging fruit, so to speak. But fruit that spreads on for generation to generation, long before I'm dead and gone. You know, the fruit from today, I hope, bears on into the generations to come. I hope the things, the saints, you know, that we, we go and we cultivate, you know, and we go and we live out in this area, we will see for generations to come what happens. God has in mind what we would call remarkable results. But the reality is, is that we as a church, you as individuals, we as a church, we are perfectly set up right now to get the results that we are getting. I'll repeat that. We as a church are perfectly set up right now to get the results that we are getting. That's the reality. You can put that in any organization. The results that you're getting... At school, you're perfectly set up for that, right? So the question is, what results are we getting? Maybe a little bit, maybe some, you know, you fill in that blank. But the reality is, is that we are perfectly set up right now to get the results that we are getting currently and maybe what we have been getting. And if we really want remarkable results, we have to go to God and allow Him to change us and to mold us into who He wants us to be so that we can bear results that He wants us to bear. So we talked about uh, early on is that a remarkable people plus a remarkable culture. And we've been talking about remarkable people and remarkable culture for a while now, you know, over the last uh, several weeks. It gets us remarkable results. So if we want remarkable results, we have to be a remarkable people called by His name. And then we have to create a culture here that lives out values that is of God and, and is going and living on mission. 
And we have to share those values. We have to share those missions. And the reality is, if we don't, then, hey, guess what? We're not going to get those remarkable results. And if we continue to give in to the strongholds that have have been keeping this church down, then we're not going to get results. But we have to go to God and allow Him to work through us and in us and and change the systems and change who we are and change our soul and, and work with our soul and cultivate the soul and change us into who He wants us to be. A remarkable people called by His name doing remarkable things so that we can bear remarkable fruit. And some of you may say, well, Dustin, we're just a small church. That's right. We are a small church. Don't say it in the negative. We're a small church. Honor it. We're a small church. Own up to it. That's okay. Did you realize that 90% of the world's population prefers to go to a small church? A small church... uh, 200 and below. So really, whenever this church was at its prime, it was still a small church. Why do we prefer that? You like to know each other, that relationship. You like to know your pastor. You like to be able to do things and actually you know, um, you know, relate with one another and things like that. There's a reason behind that. But we can't just let it hold us back. See, because a lot of times when we say, well, we're just a small church, we're actually saying it in the negative. No, don't use it as a negative. Don't let it hold us back. Don't let it be a stronghold, but let it, something, let it be something that presses us forward. Because there's things that, hey, us as a small church can do that those as a big church can't do. Right? And there's things that a big church can do that we can't do. We have to understand that. We have to own that and be okay with that. But we also have to realize this. We may be a small church, but we are all a part of a great big mission. Because we serve a big God who is on mission. And it doesn't matter how big the church is or how small the church is. doesn't matter. We all are on a big mission from God. And for us at this church, we are called to live Jesus-shaped lives. Allow Jesus to shape us and mold us into who He wants us to be. To be and do like Him. To be called by Him and to make Him our everything. And so if we truly want to be a small church that is living on a big mission, and we truly start to live that out, then that's when we start bearing remarkable fruit. Not just results... You know, the the remarkable results that we used to have. I'm talking about remarkable results right here, right now, and on into the future. But it takes getting dirty. You like the fruit from the garden? It takes getting dirty to grow it. Somebody has to be a part of it. And God has called us as followers of Christ to be a part of His church. And so therefore, He calls us to get dirty, to get our hands dirty, to cultivate the soul. I've had several uh, dirty jobs in my life. Um, some, you know, that was just like, why did I even do that job? I remember I, one time I was uh, on top of a roof in Ashboro, hot tar roofing. Anybody ever done any hot, hot tar roofing? It's a dirty job. You know what? I was making $7 an hour. I got home. I threw away my sh- shirt, 
my pants, my shoes. You know what I work for? To replace my outfit. It's exactly what I work for. I'm like, that was pointless. Like, why did I even do that? Because the boss wanted it, right? That same boss actually put me in, uh, there's a little restaurant, um, kind of hot dog hamburger joint in Ashboro, and my boss owned that, and he said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Here's your pressure washer. And I, I did a lot of pressure washering for him, and I enjoyed that. He said, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to crawl up. They just emptied that, the garbage, a big, you know, industrial-sized garbage can, and he said, they just emptied it. Man, it is disgusting. It needs to be sprayed out. I want you to climb up there with the power washer and clean it out. Well, what you don't understand is that the reason why it stunk, the reason why it was disgusting is he had this grease that came from the restaurant, right? We all like hamburgers. Well, you know, the fat and the grease, you know, they have to go somewhere. Well, instead of actually putting it where it's supposed to go, you know, and, and disposing of it, what he did was he got this idea, he's just going to throw it into the dumpster. Well, over time, it was disgusting, and I had to go up there and clean it. Well, what you don't know, maybe, if you never run one, as you pressure wash, you hit the corner of it, it's going to come back, and it would just come and just shoot right in my face, and I'm like... I'm like going over, and I'm pretty tall still, you know, so I'm like, you know, dodging. It was awful. It was the worst job ever. And I'm sure many of you have had some bad jobs, and you can probably relate with. And to be honest, Jesus did as well. Jesus had some pretty tough jobs. And so let's go to Scripture, Mark 1. Mark 1, verse 40 says this, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleaned. You see, Jesus' day, back in Jesus' day, people with leprosy were looked down on. They were, they were kicked out of the town, not to be associated with. They were considered the unclean, the outcast, the sinners of their day. You wouldn't want to touch one of them because according to the customs, according to the law, then they would be considered unclean. But see, the reality is, is that the church is very much like this system today. A lot of times the lost are looked down on. They are considered unclean, not good enough, scum, ungodly sinners. And the church tends to push them away. Because the church, a lot of times, becomes a museum for saints instead of a hospital for sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. That is our call as a church to be about saving sinners, not to shun them, not to kick them to the, the street, not to judge them. That is not our call. That is God's call. Our call is to live like Jesus, live Jesus-shaped lives, who reaches out and touches them, even though the world might say otherwise and be like, oh, did you see that? And the religious systems of that day would be like, can you believe that Jesus is associating with this person? 
in church world, we tend to, to do the same thing. Can you believe that that saint is associating with that sinner? I hope, I hope somebody comes up to me and says that. I really do. Because I'll tell you what, I'll be able to say, listen, Jesus practiced grace and truth, and I'm walking in it, brother or sister. That's how we're supposed to be. We are to walk in grace and truth like Jesus Christ, who was willing to, to touch the leper and make him clean. And then going on into the next passage, you see that he not only just confronts the outward, but he also says, go and sin no more. And so there will come a time whenever we have to reach out and love someone that maybe the church doesn't even love. Or maybe the world doesn't want us to associate with. And hopefully because of our love for that person, we'll be able to share the truth with them. And that it will set them free. So we have a decision to make. Are we going to be a, a museum for saints? A place just to come and sit around and bask in the good old days and look on the wall and see of all the things that we've accomplished and maybe even occasionally dust off the trophies? Or are we truly going to be a hospital for saints and be a welcoming doors, a, a place for hospitality where it doesn't matter who you are, you're welcome here? A few years ago, I was, I was watching TV and they were doing this uh, article on this, this church. I'm not going to give names of the church per se, but um, the church was holding signs and they were picketing funerals. And on the signs it said this, God hates fags. God hates homosexuals. God hates this. God hates that. And they actually went so far they started saying certain churches and calling them out. They actually threw Billy Graham when he was alive and threw Billy Graham under the bus and says that God hates Billy Graham. And I'm like, are you serious? You've got to be kidding me. Is this what the church of Jesus Christ is wanting to be known for? For hate instead of love? Jesus loves everybody. Does he? Agree with the sin? No. Did he agree with the woman that was called in adultery? No. But did he reach out and, and lift her up? Did he uh, you know, confront the religious people of that day and says, hey, those who have sinned, let them cast the first stone. And then the stones begin to fall to the ground. Then he reaches and he says, listen, go and sin no more. That's how he does. Jesus, filled with compassion, reaches down, reaches out his hand, and touches the man. According to the law, Jesus would have been unclean because he literally had touched a leper. He was willing. He didn't care what the religious system would have said. He didn't care what the Pharisees and the, uh, you know, all the uh, people that were teachers of the law would have said. He loved people. And he reached out and loved them with this reckless love. A 
a reckless love that according to the world, they're like, can you believe that he was doing that? Or a reckless love according to the, the, the uh, religious system, can you believe that he would do such a thing? That is so reckless of him. Jesus didn't care because he loved people. He loved sinners. And he comes and he, he wants to change people's lives. He wants to do the same with every one of you here today. He wants you to experience this love and that love will transform you and you will see people differently. Whatever the world labels them as, it doesn't matter. You see a person that is made in the image of God. No matter who it is, you can put the worst person up against you. That person would still be made in the image of God And God loves them. But He also loves each and every one of us so much that He doesn't want us to stay the same. He loves us so much that He wants us to be transformed from the inside out. He loves us so much that He gives us grace. He gives us mercy. He gives us truth. And the reality is, is that us as a church, we can be that that church that I speak of. That's full of hate that's full of judgment, that's full of damnation. Or it could be a church that represents Jesus, full of grace and truth. Now, we aren't afraid to to bring truth, but we do it with love. We do it by offering grace that's found in Jesus Christ. So whoever comes through these doors, doesn't matter who they are, a sinner, doesn't matter. Let them come. They should be here. If somebody's here to judge, I'll confront them. I'm not scared. I'd much rather a sinner to be in this church than a saint that's going to judge somebody. Because the moment you start judging is the moment you start acting like God. And the moment you start doing that, that whole saint title that I just included, it goes away. Because you're not acting like Jesus Christ. So my question is for you. Are you willing? Are you willing to get dirty? Erwin McManus once said this. You can't wash the feet of a dirty world if you refuse to touch it. Sure, it's a dirty world. But if we don't reach out and touch it. If we don't go and leave these walls and and go and represent Jesus' love to them, it will continue to be a dirty world. And some of you, maybe you're thinking, well, that's okay. I'm good where I'm at. I'll just stay home, stay in my own little place. You know what that happens to that? Your heart becomes harder, and I'm not sure that you'll be able to experience what God has for you when you start walking in that. So it starts with us being willing to touch the world. And it starts with us being willing to get dirty. Just like a gardener who cultivates the soul. May we be willing to get dirty. In Mark 4, going on. Um, actually, I got this. Uh, Mark 4, 14 actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, Mark 14, uh, four, Mark 4, verse 14, that Jesus has been talking about uh, parables. And we talked about this in Bible study, and I just think it's appropriate for us to, to talk about it again. It says this in, in verse 14. It says, The farmer sows the word. Some people like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of life and the deceitfulness of the wealth and the desires of the other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word and accept it and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred times what was sown. You see, this passage that Jesus is talking about, he, he sits down and he's unpacking this with his disciples. And he's basically talking, and what you see in Mark's gospel is that he's talking about discipleship. See, some of you, are just, you, you read it and you're, you just see that this is about just receiving Jesus Christ. No, this is about discipleship, about what it looks like. Because sometimes in life, maybe you have related with being one of these souls. And God wants to take you and make you into a good soul that is fruitful. This discipleship is where Jesus wants to take us and make us into this rich soul that produces a bountiful harvest. This church, God wants to take it and make it into a rich soil that is good and produces a good crop. What are we going to produce? That's up to God. Maybe it's 30-fold. Maybe it's 60-fold. Maybe it's 100-fold. That isn't up to us. What's up to us is that we are obedient to God. We might have little results. But the reality is, is that we are going after what God intends. And whatever happens, happens. But we are being obedient to Him. And He is the Lord of the harvest. And so the results is left up to Him. But we have to be willing to get dirty. We have to be willing to allow God to work with us. See, the reality is that sometimes bad people make good soul. I know for me... I wasn't a perfect person. I had issues. My soul wasn't perfect. But God took what I was and used it to make a good soul. See, bad people make good soul because the reality is is there's a lot of fertilizer in their lives. Every single one of you have a story. If you have started following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... And chances are you have a past. And God is using that past to shape you. He's taking and using it and cultivating it into good soil. Just like the gardener. He doesn't just take out every single bad thing. No, he puts it together and it begins to compost. And before long that compost turns into good soil. That's what God's wanting to do in and through us. Take us and through discipleship. Take out the religion. <laughs> Put the relationship in and take it and cultivate it and to compost it and make it into this rich and fertile soil that continues to produce a harvest. God's heart is for 
the lost and those that's not in right relationship with him. Jesus had compassion on the leper. And he goes on in chapter 1. He goes on in, in verse 43. says, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet people still came to him from everywhere. See, Jesus had uh, encountered this leper, he had touched this leper, he had compassion on this leper, and he changed the leper's life, and he couldn't keep it silent. Jesus had changed his life, he has changed your life, you can't keep it a secret, you can't hold it back. And I remember whenever I was set free from the power of sin, and God restored me into right relationship with him, I couldn't keep it silent, I had to let people know about it. And for many of you... You, are, God's wanting to do the same thing. You are to go out and you to share it. But see, Jesus comes on the scene and he's starting to do these things. And see, there's religious people around him. And there's re- religious people around our day even. That, they, that Jesus knew what would happen to the people as they would go and they would share it. It says that he had to withdraw to lonely places. He couldn't go and walk freely from town to town. He had to kind of hide out. Because he knew that if he went and proclaimed the message in fullness, then he would, the, the people's hearts would go stronger and stronger to hardness. Their hearts were already hardened. Jesus was dealing with, with Pharisees and, and the, the scribes and the teachers of the law, and they had these hard hearts. And Jesus knew that he had to be very careful with how he presented. Because he knew human will. It would cause them to get harder hearts. This is something that isn't new. It happened in Elijah's day. It happened in Ezekiel's day. It happened in Jesus' day. And it's still happening today. That people are hearing things and their hearts are getting harder and harder. And so we need the Holy Spirit. We can't deal with it on our own. There's strongholds around us that go deep. There's hard hearts that's around that don't break very easily. And without the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, they will never break. And so are you willing? Are you willing to be used by Jesus? And then are you ready? Are you ready to... To go after the results that God wants. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Like I said, the results is up to God. What we're about is what I like to say is long obedience in the right direction. That long obedience in the right direction will produce remarkable results. That long obedience isn't easy. See... People in church world like easy fruit. Well, I, I want this fruit. I want, I want results. I want it fast. I want it quick. Discipleship is not like that. Discipleship takes time. It takes a lifetime for some. It's a journey. 
And so we're all called to make disciples, not just make converts. I think that's something that the church has struggled with for quite some time, is that we've, we've traded what Jesus called as discipleship and just said, okay, results that God wants is just converts. That is not true. God wants disciples that are making disciples who are making disciples. Jesus commissioned us. He commissioned His disciples. He commissioned the apostles. He commissioned His church to go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And the reality is, as John Maxwell said this once, he said, even the shyest person will influence at least 10,000 people during their lifetime. 10,000 people. Some of you are shy. Some of you are not and are very outgoing. But the shyest person that's in this room will influence 10,000 people. What if you made disciples? What if you made disciples of just 10% of that number? Wow! (laughs) That would transform this world. That would give the generations to come something to talk about. That would do some amazing things for God. And I believe that that's what God wants us to do. So it's our choice. Are we willing to get dirty? Are you willing to go and get ready to see results? I pray that we start a fire in this church. Not a physical fire for those firemen. (laughs) No, but something that just awakens the soul of this church. You know what it takes? One little spark. Just one of you. Get caught on fire by God. And other people will start to be ignited by the passion that Jesus Christ has in you. And I believe that there is people in this room that God is dealing with your heart and He wants you to be set on fire for His passion and to get your hands dirty And do things for Him. And I believe that this church will start seeing some great results. Some remarkable results. If we focus on Jesus Christ. And do the things that He did. God we thank You so much for who You are. God we ask that You would just use us God. We pray. And I pray that we would be a church that is is after you, God, and doing remarkable things. But God, the reality is, is that we have to be willing to get dirty. We can't do it alone. We can't do it by our own power. But God, we need the Holy Spirit to be in us and work through us. And so God, we just ask that whenever we are received with this question, are we ready to get dirty? Are we willing to get dirty? May we... Answer yes, because sinners need a Savior. People in this world are dying and they're going to hell if we don't give them the love of Jesus. And so God, we ask that you would just work through us and work in us. And may we be used by you and you produce a harvest that brings about remarkable results. For it's for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.